The title of this message is Life-Giving Words. You and I hear thousands of words each day on most days, and some of us do a lot more talking than listening. Amen? Here's, here's pretty much the stats as you, you boil them down. Women speak 16,000 words a day, and men speak seven. At my house, it's just the opposite. I just wanted to say that. That's, that's pretty amazing stats. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that, would you? But out of that day, as all these words that we hear, how many are life-giving words with our ears and our hearts that we take them in? Because we are in a world where voices come from a lot of different places, and some from the enemy of our souls. He has a, he has a strong voice in this world. He speaks through the world, the flesh, which is our old nature who loves mud, and the devil himself speaks to us through his demons that he has sent throughout the world to harass people. But let me ask you, as a follower of Christ, whose voice is the loudest and strongest? Who speaks life-giving words, words that are always loving, always truthful, always compassionate, kind? And that's Christ, of course. Words that give us direction and purpose and guidance and love, and they are life-sustaining words, forever words, eternal words. But the question is, who, hear, who hears Jesus' words in John 10, Jesus tells them who hear his words. John 10, 22 through 27. It was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah. He was at the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The Jewish leaders surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is what I do in the name of the, my father. But you don't believe me because you are not part of my flock. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them, and they follow me. That was the New Living Translation. NIV puts those last two verses like this. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and know them, and they follow me. In those days in Israel, you, you might have four or five different shepherds and four or five different flocks, and they might be out grazing every day. And at night, they would bring them back and put them what they called the, the sheepfold or the sheep pen. But you might have more than one flock in that sheep pen. And here was all these sheep mixing around. I, I wish I wished the, the Bible hadn't used sheep. Are, you, you don't think of sheep are real smart, do you, sometimes? They're, they're not. I wish that I, I wished instead of us being sheep, we'd have been honey badgers. You know anything about honey badgers? Man, they are bad. I'm not kidding you. In Africa, they are the baddest animal over there. They'll even attack lions, and sometimes they get eaten, but nonetheless. But God called the sheep because why? Sheep follow. They, they follow, and that's what God wanted us to follow, and they're mild, and they're meek mostly. If I see myself as a sheep, I'd rather be a bighorn sheep that went around ramming people with them great big horns, but I know it doesn't, doesn't work like that. But The point is, in the morning, these shepherds would go out and stand at different intervals and call their sheep. And it's an amazing thing. Those sheep knew their shepherd's voice, and they would run to them. They wouldn't go to the other shepherds that didn't know. If I'd have been a shepherd, I'd have had some kind of song I sang, like a cadence. You know, that was the crazy thing about I, liked, I did like about the Marine Corps when we was marching. These drill instructors had cadence, and it was just kind of cool, but... I don't know what that had to do with anything, but my mind is it's going south. I was where I needed to be on the beach. That's where my mind needs to be all the time, actually. But nonetheless, they knew their shepherd's voice. So 
If you are a follower of Christ, you recognize, you listen to what Jesus says, hopefully, and you realize that his words are life-giving. And after you hear them, he expects you to obey them. The benefits are for both now and forever. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them away from me and they will never perish. It was like in the lyrics of that song that death is a lie and it is true. Yeah, these old bodies hang it up someday, but not us, the real us. I I like that concept of, of in the Garden of Eden, When God made Adam and he breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils, that was eternal breath. It's breath that never dies. And with us, when we're born, we breathe in that life, but we have that eternal breath in us that the real part of us, the real me, the real Logan, it has nothing to do with this body. And we will cast this body aside someday and the real us will will go somewhere. And, And it's our choice of where we go. Now, today, I'm going to choose heaven. Now, if you don't know Christ, you're going to hell, and I can't say it any simpler or more plain, actually. We don't like to talk about it, but I think we need to because it's a reality. But for now, today, we, we take advice from the Bible's longest chapter, which is Psalm 119, verse 11, a devotional on the Word of God. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's our power over the mud. And, and it's like I said, we, we all got a little pig in us. We like mud. And, and that, old, that old part of us likes to go back and waller in that mud. I talk about it a lot, but I, I want that word picture in our minds. And our mud puddles are different. It, I could say, I could go through a whole list of things, but all of our mud is different. The part of the old nature, the part that Satan whispers in our ear to try to get us, drag us back into that hole, that's, this is, this is our power over that mud. Do you know what the word rote means? Webster says it's a memorizing process using routine. It means that we go over something over and over and over and over again until we get it. And then we continue to review it and review it and review it so we'll know it. It, It's what we need to do with the words of Christ, to go over them, to memorize them, to hide them in our heart over and over and over again until he calls us home. We need to hear his voice till on that day he stops our hearts and we go to see him face to face. We we need that. It's life sustaining. It's the bread of life. I don't know. I don't believe we'll ever get it completely on this side of the river, but but we we need to continue to draw upon his word to survive, actually. So in the here and the now, we need to use this rope method to know those words. But these words sometimes bring us back to our own reality when we forget who we are. And the voice of Christ gets dim. Does that ever happen to you? I can hear him hollering my name really loud in church when I'm here, when I hear the songs, when I hear... See, see people testify or see people love each other. He says, Eddie, real loud. But when I go out these doors and I get wrapped up in something in life and I get bogged down and and too often uh, when I get a little down and and Satan comes and stands on my chest, I have the power to tell him to hit the road, but sometimes I just let him stand there and I can hardly hear Jesus at all. And if we go 
walk far enough away, if we get far enough from this, if we never read it, we never pick it up, you, you're not going to be able to hear his, his voice real strong. So in the here and the now, we need to know that word, and we need to know it over and over. In this clip from a movie called The Gridiron Gang, we see this happening with a coach at a Christian high school. He has to be confronted with the word to get him to where he needs to be. The Mustangs are a team from Kilpatrick Juvenile Detention Center, a center that's filled with street gangs and young criminals. Their coach gets them involved in football to try to change their lives. But the problem is they go to one school after the next, and nobody wants to play these kids because they've been in trouble. The end of this is really good. Let's, let's watch. Well, it's not a jail. It's a juvenile detention center. But they're criminals. Yeah, technically. Sorry, I can't. Thanks for the vote of confidence, coach. Our players will be closely supervised, no problems. Sounds fine, as long as there's no gang members. See, that's the thing. We, we don't have our own home field. So you expect to bring him here? Yeah, it's a great idea. We love your field. Come tomorrow. Sorry, guys, I don't think it's going to work. Most of our starters have been in this program for three years. You have four weeks to prepare your team. Do you really want to go up against those kind of odds? I'll bet you $100 we win. We're Christian school. We don't gamble. Look, I have to be honest with you. I don't think it's in the best interest of my kids to play you. Well, what about our players? Don't they deserve a chance to play? Well, frankly, no. They lost that chance when they broke the law. Well, maybe we shouldn't let them eat Sean. either. How about that? <clears throat> Sean. Mr. Torrance, let me ask you. You're a Christian, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not that familiar with the exact words, but didn't Jesus say something like, be merciful just as your father's merciful? Don't pass judgment and you won't be judged? It's the book of Luke. Give and it'll be given in good measure. For whatever measure you deal out to others, it'll be dealt to you in return. You're not too familiar with it, huh? You see what I mean. <laughs> There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in his words. Do you believe that this morning? I love those times when you're reading and a scripture just leaps off the page and it just it grabs you by the heart and it squeezes your heart and you say, wow, thank you, God. And you are in totally awe and you are speechless and you are filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God. Don't you love it when that happens? And I pray it happens in your life often. But too often, my friends, we take Jesus' word for granted and if we read them at all on a regular basis. Now let's think about this a minute. Jesus, Son of God, said something. And something so profound, so life-giving, and yet it has become so familiar to us that we almost gloss over it when we read it. So we're going to go through a few of these this morning in life-giving words. Not that I'm just going to read them, but I hope that they soak deep into your heart and your mind, that they will add life to you, that they'll be, you'll be better with truth, that you'll, you'll let them bring hope and comfort and peace in your life. My friends... Peace in this world can only be found in Christ. There is no other. There's false peace, but it's not the same. It's not the peace that 
you can have on your inside and your heart when the world around you is falling apart. And Jesus said, John 16, take art, I have overcome the world. This makes us winners. It gives us this security in this crazy world. It helps us find direction in a confusing world. And we do believe that it is a confusing world. That there are problems everywhere. That the world is not as it should be. We have a, a tendency to long for the way things that we would like them to be, but we have to relive in the reality that they're not that way. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome this world in the life of the believer within us. He said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, Matthew 9, 37. It should inspire us to get involved in blessing and serving people. That's what we should be doing every day. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, Matthew 9, 13. We should worship out of love for God and not ritual and be free in expressing our worship. I've always wished that, that I could dance. I was talking to Yvonne out there. I can't dance. I have no rhythm. I look like Elaine on Seinfeld jerking around, you know. So I always wanted to do that. And I know that the Holy Spirit came upon David and he danced when he brought the Ark and the Covenant back in Jerusalem. So as you think about that, if some morning I'm up here hopping around, you know that I finally got it. So uh, I, I just... That, we express ourselves in different ways in worship. But feel free, you know, as Lord, the Lord, some people raise hands, some people shout, some people sing, some people dance. Um, however, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven, Matthew 9, 2. We can live guilt-free. You know, you understand what that, that is? A lot of us have had guilt hanging on us since we were kids that we can't get rid of, that you had a parent or a teacher look in the eye and say, you will never amount to anything. And you can't get beyond that. It, it's, it's like a, a necklace or a chain that's dragging you down. But Jesus said that all that happens to us, we can give it to him. I hope you grasp what that means. Ask and it'll be given you, Matthew 7, 7. God answers prayers and what's best for you. He has your best interest in his heart. He'll never give you anything that would hurt you. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Total unconditional freedom, 24-7. It's what he offers. John 8, 36. Matthew eleven thirty, 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We need to let Jesus carry our weights and our troubles and our trials. How many times has that happened to you in life that maybe were you set Maybe in your prayer closet at home, maybe at this altar. You've knelt and you've prayed and you've poured out your heart to God because you are bummed out and you've got all this trouble in your life. You don't know what else to do with it, so you lay it down at the feet of Christ and what did he just promise in that verse? That he would pick that up. He would carry that weight for you. But, but we have a tendency sometimes to go back and pick that weight up and take off again and we're right back where we started. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's what he told Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Realize that our need for Jesus, that our need is for Jesus and we accept what he gives us. When we're weak, he's strong. 
You've seen people do great things for God. They didn't have that power within them. God came upon them and did that. I wouldn't be able to do this without the Holy Spirit. I might get up and tell a few jokes, make you guys laugh a couple times, but there wouldn't be any meat. There wouldn't be any spiritual context behind it. I only do this because I'm weak, and when I'm up here, he is strong through me. I praise his name for that. You are the light of the world, Matthew 6, 14. Light that you and I reflect. We are mirrors. As Christ shines that bright light from heaven, we reflect that into the world around us, into a dark world. We are reflectors. John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He is our everything. He is our power. The greatest among you shall be your servant, Matthew 23, 11. We stay humble, we serve, and we bless others. That's our motive. Matthew 14, 27. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. He gives us the courage to do anything he asks of us. Anytime, anywhere, anything. You realize that as we follow Christ and we invite him into our lives and we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, that he has places for us to go. And there, is no, there are no places off limits to a spirit-filled believer. When you're strong in Christ, he can take you into that situation and be him. I am coming soon, Revelation 22, 7. Hope is the second coming of Christ. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible, Matthew 19, 26. Unbridled faith, total trust in God, no matter what. Our sister Margaret is laying in Bloomington in the hospital. And here in less than an hour, they're going to take her to surgery and they're going to remove her leg below her knee. If that was you, what would be going through your mind right now? It's a, it's a, it's a horrible thing to think, isn't it? But she has no options. It's going to save her life. So we pray for her that she understands that she's still in God's hands, even though these old bodies start to go haywire. If you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, 15. This is a litmus test. If you really and truly love God, you obey him. What's it say if we don't? There's no gray areas here. You can't paint this any other way. If we love God, we'll obey him. But we're not always obedient children, are we? What do we do with our children when they continue to disobey? Well, there's usually a little punishment involved, usually. If you love your kids, there will be of some sort. God chastises us because he loves us. But then he forgives us and brings us back. He doesn't ever kick us completely out. That is the point behind that. If you give them something to eat, Mark 6, 37, we are the hands and the feet of Christ on earth. When he fed the 5,000, he had hands and feet that helped him do that. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, Matthew 7, 18. If we are right with God, our lives will show it 24, 7, and we'll produce fruit, love and joy and peace and long-suffering. These will be flowing out of our lives, and those around us will see that. And you know who should see it the most? Those that we live with. Sometimes we don't think that that's the place to be, the believer, but I'll tell you what, friends, if you have kids, you are painting a picture for those children. I can't reiterate that enough. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1.8. We have supernatural power within us. We have power over the enemy. And when Satan comes to us, when he shoots those flaming arrows and we hold up the shield of faith, we have the power within us to tell Satan to hit the road. Now, he might come back, and you have to do it again. You have to do it again, and you have to do it again. You can tell him to hit the road and say, Satan, you have no business with me. I'm God's kid, so you can just move on down the road. I'm not going to listen to you. God has given us this power. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, Mark 7, 6. On our disobedient days, this probably describes us. You'll be my witnesses, Acts 1, 8. This means all followers of Christ, including you and I. Matthew 6, 25, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry, just trust in Christ. 7, 12 of Matthew, so whatever you wish that others would do for you, do it to them. It's how we should treat people. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. Jesus is the only door to God. There is no other. And sometimes we will hear people say, well, you know what? All roads lead to God. That's not true. Only one road leads to God. And what's that road look like? It's straight and it's narrow. The Bible says there are a few that find that. A lot of people don't want to be on that road. They want to believe that regardless of what any religion that you embrace, and this infuriates people. Some of the times that people have gotten upset with me is when I say, I, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Yeah, but what about this group? What about these, this group that prays five times a day toward their holy stone? And, and I can go on and on. They are lost. I can't, I can't paint that any other way. And pe- that infuriates people. People want everybody to go to heaven, and I wish they could. But those that go to heaven have embraced Christ as their Savior. That is the way. I didn't write the book. He did. This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent, John 6, 29. Christ is our foundation, and John 19, 30, it is finished. Jesus continues his work on earth through us. And on that day, in Jerusalem, on the Mount of Olives, as his disciples watched him descend into the clouds, he ascended to the Father, He sat down at God's right hand, and he makes intercession for you and I. And when I say, Lord, forgive me, he turns to the Father and says, Eddie's forgiven. That's an amazing thing to me, and that's what he does. These are words our Lord and Savior spoke to you and I, and he speaks them every day. Jesus, my favorite description, is God with skin on. He uttered these life-giving, life-changing words in human language that we can fully understand if we want to, if we want to listen to him. You realize how much power is in that two-letter word, if? You and I can follow Christ if we want to. We can glow closer to Christ if we want to. We can be students of the Bible if we want to. it's, it's, It's a huge word, actually. The Son of God, who is God, said these words. He spoke them. He revealed truth to us. And every word he said has life-changing value. I wonder if we really understood the magnitude of these words of Christ and believed them, that it would change the way that we lived, the confidence that we have and the assurance in which we find hope. 
those, we've printed them out. Tracy did. We put them in the bulletin in your insert. You have those words. Look at them today and see which ones you need to work on. Are you listening? Are you recognize the voice of Christ in your life because he speaks to us right here, right now? You ever wonder why people fall away? I I thought about this this morning since Diane and I moved down here in December 97 and started the church in October. How many wonderful people have come through that front door? Set a few chairs down and then one day they went out the back door. (laughs) And you contact them, which I've tried to encourage us all to contact people. Well, you know, we just just got out of the habit. We don't see it as important as what they're saying. But there has to be a reason why. This amazing passage here in the sixth chapter of John, I think Jesus kind of hits some of this on the head. Chapter 6, verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Have you ever said that when you've heard the word of God or read it? Man, how can anybody understand that? How can I accept that? That goes against the grain. It goes believe the way, it goes against the way I was raised. It goes believe, goes against what I truly believe. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, Does this offend you? You ever been offended by the word of God? If you haven't, I think you need to do a little praying. If I get offended all the time. Because it convicts me. It makes me realize that I've done something wrong, said something wrong, thought something wrong, that I, I need to ask for forgiveness. That's the way the Holy Spirit works on us. And here's, here's, here's what I'm getting at, verse 66. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. If Jesus' words didn't fit their world... Didn't fit their paradigm. They didn't want none of it. And so they walked away. And my friends, I'm here to tell you this morning, that is a dangerous place to be in. Then over back in chapter 10, Jesus reiterated that fact about who he was and his voice. He said, I tell you the truth. This is chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. He's saying that you have to come through the gate, which is Jesus. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they don't know his voice. When Satan's voice comes to us, we need to run away. We need to tell him to hit the road. Then over in verse 27 and 10, John, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. As you look at those words, I pray that they give you comfort. And if you're here this morning and You've never heard the voice of Christ and the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you, or maybe you've ignored it. I just pray that you think long and hard on obeying him. 
You know, Bill did a great job making this altar. It's a piece of wood <laughs> and carpet, and it's gorgeous. But it's not so fact, the power is not so much in the wood, it's in what you do here. And I encourage people to pray where they're at, but there are people here that love you and want to give you guidance and direction, and any time during the service, this is open for you to come and pray. Thank you, Christy, for that prayer. But I mean that because this is your family. If you come in here with something that's, that you, you can't hardly navigate under, just bring it up here and there'll be people come pray with you. Let you get up from this altar free and go on your way. So today as we, we sing this last song, as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, if, if you feel that need... Uh, People here understand why you come up here. That's why I love Crossroads. We're not finger pointers. We don't turn to those by the table, on our table, and say, what are they doing up there? No, vast majority of us are praising God and praying for them. We're happy. We're happy that they listen to the Holy Spirit and they have come for some help. And we're a hospital here. That's what we are. So I appreciate it about you guys. We're not judgmental. I've never heard you judge anybody. Maybe me, but I, I understand that. But you know what I'm saying. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for being so good to us. And I thank you for this family that you continue to put together and to watch over, to shepherd, to guide. And I pray right now, Father, as we pause before you, that whatever's in our heart this morning that needs to be dealt with, that we might do that. If there are those here this morning that have never really heard your voice clearly that they might hear it this morning, that they might come and through instruction, through prayer, through love, they might find you and leave this place as your child. Thank you for that. Thank you for all these believers that are here as well, Father, and if there's something going on in their life, that they might deal with that as well. Thanks for loving us. We give you all the praise and the glory. We ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.
that's an understatement. We talk about your greatness and your power and your majesty. There are really no human terms that can describe it in its fullness. We are honored and we are thankful, Lord, that you love us the way you do. That you love us with an unconditional love. That you have patience with us as we continue to get muddy, get cleaned up, get muddy again, get cleaned up. And you're always there with your arms open and we get up on your lap and you kiss us on the head, whisper in our ears how much you love us and that you forgive us, but straighten up a little bit. You can save yourself some grief, Father. And I know you say that to us, that the more and more we become like you, the closer we get. Life doesn't destroy us. It doesn't keep taking chunks out of us. Thank you for being our intercessor, Jesus, that you fix it with your Father. And thank you for loving us. I thank you for these fine folks, Lord, and I pray whatever you've said to them today that they might obey it, that they might listen and they obey it because that is the best way. It's the only way that we need to live our lives. For we do ask these things in your precious name. God is good all the time. Crossroads, live with that truth. He is forever faithful to us. He is forever good. God is good. Amen. Come on, let's go. together. Let's give him my praise this morning. Amen.
love you buddy and we just are so grateful that you're back come on up here you know what you might as well just shuffle on up here and give me a big old hug this morning that'd be good wouldn't it and just appreciate our pastor thanks for being here today and god bless you come on back next week we'll see you